any time where you're stepping outside of your comfort zone and subjecting your body to stresses that it's not quite prepared for, that's when you're going to see those adaptations and responses. Greetings, my friends, and welcome to Hardwater Radio. This is Jason Archer. We are recording live under the umbrella of Hardwater One here in the Valley of the Sun. And today I'm joined by Nate Palmer. Nate is NASM certified, CPT certified, CES certified, TRX certified, a trainer of all things amazing. He is the creator of Bod in a Box, author of Passport Fitness, and he is also a crocodile wrangler. And yes, we're going to get that story. Maybe we can start with that story. So what's going on, buddy? <laughs> hey, I'm, gr- I'm happy to be here. This is fun. Also self-proclaimed crocodile wrangler. I don't think there's a, I don't there's, think there's there's a certification. No certification. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me, where does that come from? I know it's listed in your book. You just showed me the photo. So what's the story behind the crocodile wrangler? So, um, so kind of, if I, if, if we're going to go there first, let me just, let me give a little brief history of, of why I am the way I am. But uh, my, my wife and I spent about 14 months traveling through South America, starting with a stint in Panama, where we worked for about five months on a floating lodge in the middle of the Panama Canal. Not in the middle of the Panama Canal. In the, little, in the middle of the lake off of the Panama Canal called Lake Gatun. Mm-hmm. It's called Jungle Land, and we worked there as tour guides. So it's this amazing boat that's lodged in, or it's lodged in places moored there, and then the owner has built on a hotel next to it. So... Um, if you're there, there's no way to walk to land. It's all boats, kayaks, cayucos, ca- canoes, everything. And so we were working out there for four months and just having the time of our lives. It was so amazing. Um, we'd give people tours of the Panama Canal during the day. We'd go see monkeys. You know, we'd take people on kayak trips out to the waterfall. It was just unbelievable. But literally my favorite thing in the entire world, I, th- I think I can pretty much say, like my favorite thing I was doing at the time, was taking people on night safaris. And... Night safaris were where we'd go out on a boat up the river of death. We'd take this big old powerful flashlight and we'd look for nocturnal animals. So among them include crocodiles and spectacled caiman, which we had plenty of in Panama. But um, so like generally I'd see little ones that are probably like under a foot long. We'd grab them out of the water and show them to tourists and people really liked that. But occasionally you'd see bigger ones, you know, three foot, five foot. And there was one that was about 15 feet that hang out around around the lodge. He was the granddaddy though. But so the owner of the lodge is a ex-marine named Carl from Missouri. And he, Missouri is the correct pronunciation. Thank you. Yeah. He made that ex- pretty explicit. But <laughs> Carl's a shit talker. And <clears throat> Carl would tell us that, well, before you guys were here, we had a tour guy named Jimmy. And well, Jimmy would actually jump out of the boats onto the crocodiles for the guests. So you wanna, you know, if you were a man, you'd fill Jimmy's shoes and, and, and actually give the guests a crocodile experience. And I was like, well, that's pretty rude, Carl, and I'm not going to do that. I'm not. I'm immune to peer pressure. I'm not immune to peer pressure. That's not true at all. So after a couple months of, of hearing that from Carl, eventually um, we had some friends come out from Seattle. They wanted to see that we were actually alive at this lodge like we said we were and not actually mules for the Panamanian drug cartels. So they came out to visit. And so when your friends come out, we celebrated maybe a little bit more than usual. They have, a, they have a great rum down there called Abuelo, which means grandfather. So we had some Abuelo, Abuelos and Cokes and went out on a night safari. And we just happened upon this like five foot spectacled caiman in the water. And I've been, I've been toying with the idea of jumping on one for a little bit, but the rum and then the ego, which come, kind of a combination of the two, really put me in the right mindset for her to like, so what I, so this is something that I felt like I, I was going to do super elegantly, look like a, 
you know, just a badass, like superhero type thing. My wife tells me later the, out of the fact that it looked like I had a concussion, fell off the boat, looked just <laughs> ridiculous. But either way, I saw this Cayman, I was like, okay, I'm gonna do it. So I jumped off the boat, land on the Cayman, and you have to land a really specific way. You have to get your legs around the tail to keep the tail from whipping, and then your hands around the neck and not below the like the front legs, because then it can wheel around and get you. And crocodiles and caimans have super dirty mouths. So if you don't get hurt from the bite, you'll definitely get an infection. So um, did you have some training going into this or were you just flying <laughs> blind, so to speak? Well, I'd watched the video that of Jimmy jumping on the crocodiles several times. Oh, you watched a video several times. You're one <laughs> yeah. of those people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can learn it from YouTube, maybe, right? Mm. So between the video, the rum, and the <laughs> and just like the energy from my friends being there, I jumped Lindsay would Lindsay my wife would say fell but j- jumped onto this crocodile gracefully and, I would say gracefully yes yes landed on top of them and somehow ended up with this like writhing crocodile in my hands that I dragged back up into the boat which was a horrible idea rather than just like letting it go and I was like look what I'm look what I've done so I definitely did not get bit that time but I have been bit by crocodiles after, after that because I got a little bit emboldened by those actions. So was this your first attempt? First attempt. At said act? Mm-hmm. Successful. But then I've since done it bef- after that where I've missed the crocodile and then been in the water with an angry crocodile that I don't have control of. And that's a terrifying feeling. I can imagine. Now, did you have any idea how dangerous this was going into the act? I don't, I don't uh, think a lot of, about stuff before I do things. So, no. <laughs> I love it. So talk to me a little bit about how this, you know, sort of informs your your fitness background and your fitness career. I know you guys, you and your wife, you both do a lot of travel. Um, You've been in the fitness world for over 10 years or coming up on 10 years. So how do these two things sort of relate? The the biggest thing for me was like the ability to get a great workout in on the road. So as you can imagine, there's not a whole lot of like gyms nearby if you're living in the middle of a lake. But, um, so I kind of, like coming from a fitness background, I was a trainer, I had, you know, I've been working out really, really hard for several years and I have a weird attachment to, maybe not weird, but like, I think a lot of people have a, an idea of how they wanna look or how they wanna feel. And if you're not living that reality, then you start to get a negative self, like self-talk track in the back of your mind. And I think a, a lot of women have this, but I also kind of have that body dysmorphic disorder where if I'm not feeling or looking the way I want to feel, it's really negative and I can really get down on myself. So what ended up happening is like halfway through our stint uh, as tour guides in this boat, I was not getting the workouts in that I wanted to. I had no program, I had no plan, I had no equipment. So I ended up getting a suspension trainer and I was doing some stuff on it and kind of just messing around. But then I remember there was this distinct moment in my life when I was when I was on the boat that I was just decided that rather than being like, when am I gonna work out? What am I gonna do? I was gonna put together a program that I could do 30 minutes when I woke up in the morning every single day. And the like the internal sigh of relief that I got from making this commitment rather than like relying on quote unquote willpower and motivation, which is my, in my estimation highly overrated, um, was this just this relief just was like flooded over my body and then this this negative self-talk that I've been dealing with for a really long time was able to shut down. So I was able to set up a program that was that I could do 
just 30 minutes, which again in itself was is really, really freeing to not have to go do a full hour workout or drive to a gym. But then also I was able to have the energy I wanted to, to do things like, you know, stupid things like jump on crocodiles in the middle of the night or, you know, go scuba diving or hike a glacier or whatever it was that I was wanted to do, I had the ability to do it. And so having having that set in stone is this is part of my morning routine now was just a huge like breath of fresh air, a huge sigh of relief for me mentally. So I don't know if that answered your question or not, but <laughs> that's kind of where like my philosophy with fitness kind of like for like came from, originated and kind of became like mm-hmm. Took form. Were you involved in the fitness realm prior to this experience with the crocodiles? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. But I'd always been in gyms. Right, right. And so I know one of the things that you and your wife are big on being the travel piece. Um, you know, how did that inform sort of what you were doing in South America, and then ultimately this program that you put together? Was it something that you just saw a need for? You know, being that you weren't getting the workouts in, like you said, or was it just something that, you know, you needed to do, like you felt like you weren't getting in enough movement, period? Mm-hmm. Well, two things about that. Number one, like, I always, I always want to be able to do the things that I want to do to, to live the life that I want to live. So whether that's hiking or biking or, or just taking a long walk, I never want to have a physical limitation that's going to keep me from doing something awesome. Then secondly, there's a lot of like limitations when you're traveling, whether that's for pleasure, for business, or you're just out of your element, you know, and whether you've like just had a baby or you have a, like a long week at work where you can't possibly get to the gym. There's a lot of things that, that can get in the way of having an effect, uh, effective and efficient fitness like reg- regime. Mm-hmm. So I wanted my goal with, with Bod in the Box, the, the company I created, was to take away all the potential hardships that people have with getting to a gym. So so whether you can't drive to a gym or you don't have the equipment at your house or you don't have a full hour, I wanted to eliminate the excuses that, that can come along with wanting to have it like be effective and, and have a fitness program, but not necessarily being able to get those pieces in place. Mm-hmm. And so you talked earlier about um, fitness sort of helping you to overcome some of the negative self-talk and body image uh, experiences that you were having. What were some examples of the things that you were experiencing personally? Because, you know, as I sit across from you and I look at you, I mean, I can't imagine you in that state, you know, obviously a very fit person. Yeah, but I think that, I think that not necessarily, like, reality doesn't necessarily play into those negative self-talk sometimes. So you know, you can have, you can have a really, really fit person or someone that you would look at and be like, wow, they must have it all together. That still has a really, ne- like, has having a very negative personal experience. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, for me, what that what that manifested as was we were always out with with taking tourists and guests to waterfalls, being in water, in kayaks, like in bathing suits, shirts off, and stuff like that. And whereas I don't think that really anyone would have looked at me and been like, "Wow, he's out of shape." I wasn't as in shape. I didn't have the like the body that I wanted was used to having. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of made me feel worse. I, I'd keep my shirt on more. I'd, I wouldn't. I wasn't like going and doing the things that I love, like climbing up waterfalls and like jumping off and just kind of being active and extreme. I just caught myself in that negative space, like like letting those thoughts control my actions, which isn't healthy regardless of how you look or on the outside. So were you just having thoughts of self-judgment, like you don't measure up, you don't look good with Mm -hmm. your shirt off, that sort of thing? Yeah. 
And then not only the like those thoughts, but also just constantly, you know. And anytime you have constant thoughts that are playing in the background that are not positive and helpful, you it just brings you it just brings you down mentally, you know. Hundred percent. Yeah, they definitely inform your present. Totally. Yeah. And so, how did you take that? You know, obviously you've created uh, bot in the box and now written a book, but you know, how do you use that experience and sort of bring it into the now and and use that to create the philosophy that you used to work with people today? So, like I said, I think people say, "Oh, I'm not motivated to work out. I wasn't feeling it." So, I think that the biggest thing that I was able to take away from that experience is that when I set myself up for being like, at this time, these days, I train for 30 minutes. It it was it became a decision I made and a schedule I kept. It was no longer reliant on, am I motivated? Can I get to the gym? It became not. It it didn't. It wasn't like if or when. It was. It was a imperative, you know, and I think that I would like to, I really like to help educate people on getting out of their own way in terms of transcending motivation to, to whatever it is you want to do, whether it's, you know, write your own book or get in the shape that you've always wanted to be in or learn the piano or learn a new language. Stop, stop relying on becoming motivated because motivation is a, is fleeting. You know, willpower is a muscle. And at the end of the day, you know, you've had a long day of going to work, which you're probably not motivated to do all the time, you know, but you do it anyways because you want to eat, right? So at the end of the end of a long day of using that willpower to do things that you don't necessarily want to do, it's hard to get into a like a space where you're like, okay, now I can do my Spanish homework. Okay, now I do my I take that 40 mile bike ride to train for my marathon, whatever it is. But if it's scheduled, if it's not an option, then you do it. So what did you say to yourself in those moments though? And you know, I think a lot of people experience that, right? They know they need to do it or they know that they at least want to do it on some level and they know on another level that it's going to be good for them. But then at the end of the day, the knowing doesn't translate into the doing, you know? So in those moments for yourself, was it just something that just came natural to you? Just like, well, I'm going to do it. So there, or was it something that you had to actually consciously decide you know, and have a conversation with yourself about, and if so, you know, what did that look like? That's a great question. So my friend Carson Kemp, uh, who I've learned a lot from, has once told me, well, not once, about a million times has told me, just turn your brain off, which is, sounds like super simple, but it's really great advice because what that looks like for me is not, not like I think people get tied up in this in thinking about something. Oh, What's it gonna feel like to go work out? Oh, it's gonna be hard, I'm gonna do this, whatever. It's, oh, it's gonna be difficult. But if you don't think too much about it, you just jump right in and just do the thing, it makes it so much easier to build the momentum. The other thing is, and the one of the ways I designed my programs for Bod in a Box is by giving, like, giving you an out. So, for example, if, I was, if I'm tired, if I'm beat up, if I'm not feeling great, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go do this workout. It's the time I go do my workout. I give myself an out. If I'm not feeling it after five or 10 minutes, I'll go stop. I'll, like, I'll put down the weights I'll, I'll be, and I'll consider that a success. Mm-hmm. You know? But give myself an out after a five or 10 minute workout. So that's why I have, I have an extended workout and an, an express workout. So if you only get that 10 or 15 minute workout, you can be done. That's fine. Like move on with your life. You still got your workout in. You got your movement for the day. And you should celebrate that. You know? So that's really interesting because I think a lot of people would take that as a fail. Right, like mm-hmm. it's look. I wanted to go in and I was going to do a a twenty minute workout or whatever mm-hmm. the case may be, and I only got ten minutes of it completed. Right? Mm-hmm. What is it in your mind that allowed you to have that shift? I believe that consistency is the most important habit. So if I'm hitting, if I'm doing that workout 
every single day, but on Thursday I only got 15 minutes. That's okay. I'm not taking. I'm, I'm not in a three-week like transformation. I'm not doing a five-day cleanse. I'm not trying to get nine-day abs. I realize I don't have the same body when I'm 60, and that 15-minute workout is another small. It might have been a small step, but it's a step in the right direction. I am continuing to build upon my successes, and 15 minutes. That's that's still a building block, you know. Mm-hmm. However small. That's why I think these like there's a lot of like a lot of habits that people neglect that are these small, consistent building blocks of success that don't get enough credit while we, well, like we as a society spin our wheels debating on how many grams of carbs you should have before you're after your workout. 100%. So does that mean that you have a dedicated, committed morning routine? That's, yeah, that's correct. So what does yours look like? So it's changed a little bit and um, with a baby on the way, I'm sure it's going to change even further. But generally, my first thing I do when I wake up is I get 24 to 32 ounces of water in me. So I'll try to go, I try to keep a, a bottle of water by my bed. I stay with a bottle of water at all times because I think that's a really, really important habit just to stay hydrated. Mm-hmm. But I'll finish that right off the bat in the morning. So. I've heard a lot of people talk about water first being super important and I've gotten about 15 different answers. I'm just curious, what's your, your reasoning behind having water first thing? Um, that's a great question. So the reason that I feel like having water first thing is, is really important is a couple different things. From a physical standpoint, you're breathing out moist air all night, so you're dehydrated in the morning. So a lot of people will get up, trudge over to the coffee maker, hit that, turn that on, and then pound coffee, which is largely dehydrating, like right on top, like on top of an already dehydrated body. So having water in the morning is going to rehydrate you, allow you to continue to exhale fat molecules, which is how you burn fat, and then it's going to help you get energized because if you're dehydrated, you're going to have less strength and less energy. So. Having water first, then coffee is a, a way to get more energy out of that caffeine that you're ingesting. Then from a psychological perspective, I believe that doing health-minded or fitness-minded things is that is going to give you that stepping stone mentality. So if the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning is go and have a, like a, a big glass of water, which is healthy, you're reminding yourself that I'm health-minded. I prioritize my health. I'm putting myself first here. And that's going to like lay this like the foundation for, the, for a really good day. And so then after the water comes what? Then, so that's what, that's what I go, drink my water, I put my coffee on, and then I go, I'll do a 10, 15 minute body weight routine. So I don't do my entire, like an entire workout, but it's a great way of front loading my, front loading my day with the habits that I want. So if I don't get any other movement in for the rest of the day, I got 15 minutes in in the morning and I feel great. Then after that, I'll try to spend five minutes um, meditating or like doing some sort of like quiet affirmations just kind of so I like to like rehydrate then set my body in the right tone then set my brain in the right tone for the rest of the day after that I jump in the shower and I, I like to do what's co- what I call the flinch so I put that shower on cold and I just hop in that because that's a that's a, another psychological technique where you embrace the suck you embrace something hard right in the morning you do not want to get in that cold water, you know, but you jump right in, you do that hard thing, and you tell your body that I, I'm in charge. My brain doesn't like dictate how I behave. I do what I want to do, and I do the things that are gonna push me forward. So, so important, so important. So does that end the routine? Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of the like the, the basic routine in a nutshell. And that's and if I'm like running, running really late, I'll cut the the training way back to just a five minute Maybe it's the sort of like yoga flow or something just quick, bot in a box. One of my favorite supersets that I can do with a suspension trainer is just 
a bodyweight row right into a fallout, which is kind of like an ab wheel or like a, like a core exercise. So doing like three sets of 10 reps of those takes me about three minutes and leaves my shoulders feeling good, my core feeling good, my low back feeling good. But it's just like trying to maximize the small things, you know, and a routine like that with just a quick, with a, just a quick exercise piece will take about 10 minutes. And so one of the things that you said to me was that bodyweight exercises are the elixir of life, your words. Yeah. Explain that. What do you mean by that? I think that bodyweight exercise is a great way to maintain a, super, a, a lean, functionally, functionally powerful, healthy physique with low body fat forever. Plus, so, plus I think being, being able to control your body weight through space, whether that's a pull up versus a lat pull down or like a bar muscle up or just being able to like do a full squat, sit, sit your butt down into your heels and just maintain that, that posture. Those are things that, that really are going to help you out long term. So like I said, you know, there's not too many like 60, 70, 80 year olds who are still squatting 300 plus pounds. But if that, that same 80 year old can maintain a great movement practice and move their body through space for like during that time of their life, they're gonna live longer, they're gonna feel better, and they're gonna they're going to be able to have really, really healthy tissue tissue and joints. So I think that bodyweight exercise really pertains to longevity. And the one of the reasons I say that it's the elixir of life is because that I believe that closed chain exercises, being body weight, anytime you're moving your body through space. So the example I give people is like doing a pull-up versus a lat pull-down, or doing it like squatting down versus doing a leg press. Mm -hmm. a, an open chain exercise is when you have an like additional something that you're moving up and down. So doing a dumbbell bicep curl is, is open chain. Well, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with an open chain exercise. I believe that the closed chain exercises are going to help you burn more fat and build more muscle than their open chain counterparts. All other things being equal. Right, right. And so when you say you believe, are you saying you believe based on science or you believe based on your anecdotal experiences? Yes. So I believe based on, I believe based on the, the research I've read and I also believe based on what I've seen with myself and with my clients that I've trained. Right. And so that doesn't necessarily mean that like if you do three push-ups, it's going to be equivalent to a three rep max bench press, you know, but I believe that you can, you can weight push-ups, you know, you can, a lot of people I don't have a ton of imagination when it comes to bodyweight exercises. Mm -hmm. So what's the difference between doing a three rep max one arm push up versus like a like a, a three rep max bench press? I would say all like all other factors being equal, the one arm push up is going to be the, the better bang for your buck exercise. Mm. And so in your opinion, what role does a weighted exercise play in a training regimen? I believe that weighted exercise should still make up like a good, a good portion of training, especially when you have access to a gym or especially when you, that's what you love doing. In no way am I saying that like, oh, you love, you love doing Olympic lifting. Nope, you should definitely start doing more just like pull-ups. Do it my way, man. Right, no, you, you need to do what you love doing and finding what you love is really important to long-term success. But if you're like, if you're ambivalent about your type of fitness and you want just something that's going to get you the results, I think that having at least 50% body weight exercise in your training regimen is going to be important to the maximizing your success. In your opinion, who are the most fit athletes on the planet? Wrestlers. Wrestlers, why? Wrestlers and gymnasts, I say, because those guys aren't just doing like bicep curls and bench presses. They're moving in tons of different, like tons of different ways, on the ground, off the ground, like, and they have strength through 
tons of different connective tissues. Their necks are really, really strong. They're really powerful at moving dead weight around or picking people up, moving themselves with other people around on top of them. But people who are gymnasts and people who are wrestlers have the most functional strength and can do the most with their body weight and, and even in the gym. I had, a, I had a 14 year old client who is a wrestler who had never done any sort of weighted movements. But his first time in the gym, we had him doing pull-ups with 90 extra pounds on his body. On his wow, body. yeah. Amazing. He bench pressed 275 for reps and he could deadlift 405. Mm -hmm. it, and he had never worked out before. He That's was just, fantastic. he's also a freak athlete too. He's so. a freak, yeah, for sure. And I, I definitely concur with you. I think gymnasts for sure, by far, not even close, hands down, best athletes on the planet, in my personal opinion. Mm -hmm. And so you mentioned obviously the, the closed chain versus open chain and explained a little bit about what, the, what that was. Um, talk a little bit about the fat burning aspect of that or what advantages or disadvantages do each one bring to the table? So I'd like to give an example of like, so Jason, let's say you, me and our friend, our friend Grog, we're all out foraging for berries. <laughs> circa like Paleolithic era. Good old Grog. Yeah. So we're out foraging for berries, we're finding some berries, it's great. All of a sudden, boom, Sabertooth Tiger comes out, snatches Grog up, RIP Grog. <laughs> then you and I, we're running, right? This is a big tree. We're, gonna, we're trying to get up to this tree before the saber-toothed tiger eats us too. The person with the, with the most functional tissue, muscle, and the least amount of non-functional tissue being fat is going to be able to survive that encounter. So your body doesn't know you're doing a lap pull. It doesn't know you're doing a kipping pull-up. It doesn't know you're doing 200 pounds versus 300 pounds on a bench press. All your body knows is stress. So when you have a high stress environment where you need to pull yourself up, you need to get yourself out of the, into that tree to avoid death, your body's going to respond by triggering that evolutionary mechanism designed to keep you alive of releasing non-functional tissue, getting rid of fat, and helping you gain the muscle and the strength needed to stay, stay safe, stay alive. Your body loves you, man. It wants you to be alive. <laughs> being fit is our normal state, you know? For sure. Like being, being overweight, that's not normal. That's dysfunctional. You know, 100%. our body loves to be fit. You know, it doesn't necessarily mean, mean it wants you to have a six pack at all times, but being fit is the natural, healthy state of humans. 100%. So what's the best way to get that adaptive response absent being chased by that saber-toothed tiger? That's the only way. <laughs> no, I think the adaptive response just comes from suggesting your body to stresses that are not necessarily things you're used to. And that can come from being at a gym and doing a lap pull down with five more pounds than you've done before. It can be, it can come from being in a, in a hard workout class, training with people who are pushing you beyond the, the limits you previously, previously thought possible. It can come from working with a trainer or a coach who's gonna help you see where you're at and then help you rise to that next level. You know, anytime where you're stepping outside of your comfort zone and subjecting your body to stresses that it's not quite prepared for, that's when you're going to see those adaptations and responses. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So uh, I understand you've got an adaptation coming very shortly. Oh my goodness. Of a, of a little one. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how I'm going to respond to that. So <laughs> I'm sure it'll be a, a huge growth process. Yeah, yeah. And I'm excited for the person who I will become. Yes, you will, for sure. And so you and is your wife also, you guys have a, pl a trip planned to South America in the very near future? So she will not be coming this next time. I'm going back to Panama with a group of people who who all want to embark on a little bit of an adventure. So I'm doing an all-inclusive trip where I take people down and we take them back to the jungle. And so we're gonna be doing some trips that are kind of off the books. So we'll be doing like a long bike ride out to an old fort, Fort San Lorenzo, where Captain Morgan actually came in 
parked his, parked his ships and then partied so hard in Panama City they had to burn the city down and start it over again. We'll be doing some kayaking. Some um, One of my favorite things is we'll be getting into, like we'll be climbing up a waterfall and then trekking for a couple hours through a river, like waist deep water with our packs on our backs. That's amazing. Yeah, it's going to be so fun. So I'm taking a, a couple people down there now, a couple people from Seattle and a couple people from the uh, from the gym who are clients. Will you be showing off and wrestling any more crocodiles? I'm... I would like to, yeah. Given the opportunity, I'll probably I'll probably try it. <laughs> I haven't been burned hard enough yet, so. Fantastic. And, you know, one of the things you said to me is you said that uh, travel and events, such as the one you're planning, shouldn't be reasons to indulge and put your health on the back burner, right? So you're taking away my excuse here, man. What's up with that? Yeah. Well, I'm kind of like that. <laughs> um, I think, though, that, like, if we if we're always staying in a mindset of this, like, I'm healthy, I'm living, I want to live a healthy lifestyle. It just puts you in a better position to take advantage of the opportunities you've been given. So I think that like, if, if you, if you're like, oh man, I'm on a, I'm taking a flight again, probably should have some soda. What's wrong with you? It's, you've been on a plane before. That's not important. Oh, it's, it's my aunt Dolores's 64th birthday party. Better have some cake. No. Why would you do that? Like, it's not like these these events and things that we, we give ourselves like, oh, well, it's, you know, it's Sunday again, better have these wings. No, like just, that's like, don't use these events as excuses for or for poor or non-fitness-minded behavior. The only good excuse for that is when you go, listen, I'm, a, I'm out with some friends. Like, I know that this is not like having this pitcher of beer is not healthy for me. I know that I'm going to be dehydrated tomorrow and I'm not going to feel my best. I accept that and I move on with my life. You know, that is a good excuse. That is a good reason to go out and have beer and wings with your friends. But but because it's a two-year-old's birthday party, that's not a good excuse. You know, and that and that's and that's taking yourself out of the driver's seat. Oh well, I I have to. No, you don't. You know, but make your decisions. When you make your decisions and you and you run it through the lens of, I I know what this decision is going to do for me, and I accept that. I accept that outcome. Great. I want, I love lifestyle gains. I drink way too much, you know, but that's, that's, I accept the responsibility for my actions of doing so. And I try to have a great time when I, when I make those decisions. Right. You're consciously deciding as opposed to giving up your agency in the moment. That's an amazing way of putting it. Yeah. yeah. I think you've probably seen this with many of your clients. I know we've seen it with ours. There's like you mentioned before, an event is not a trigger for you to jump off the wagon, right? But so many times we live past present. You should say that again because that was really powerful. What did I say? You said <laughs> we use our past as an excuse for what we're doing in the present. So yeah, so I was just listening to um, Dr. Joe Dispenza. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him or not, mm -hmm. but he was talking about the degree to which our present is basically the result of us constantly living in the past. Whatever we do in the moment, we're constantly looking to the past to see what we did in that previous moment. We, we had a bad experience with a parent, we had a good experience with a lover, we had a bad experience at an event, we had a good experience at a birthday party. So it's like, okay, well let me see what I can do to relive that. I want to hold on to that as much as possible. And it's for this reason that we have such a difficult time breaking those negative habits or, you know, like you said, like jumping into the fitness world and doing the right thing when you get on the plane, doing the right thing when you make a conscious decision to drink. I'm sure you've seen this with your clients many, many times. How do you address that with them? You just say, hey, buddy, buck up. <laughs> give them a swift kick in the ass or do you give them a little psychology lesson? I think that my when I was first started training almost 10 years ago, that was my, my um, go-to reaction was, 
well, what's wrong with you? Like, why did you do that? You know, you <laughs> you're broken, just, man. Just do better. <laughs> right. But now I think that it always works, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> always. 100% yeah, of the time. Just do better. Um, I think, and it's really um, what, what I've started doing now, and it's really disarming for clients. And it's kind of a, it's, it's helpful to ask people like, so like, to be like, so you fell off the wagon, you had 10 beers or you went, like ate a bunch of stuff. How was that? Then people don't. Are, people are want you to come down on them. They're waiting for you to like be, to, to like condone their behavior or not condone with the other one, right? But they're <laughs> condemn. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but when you're like, how was that? How was that experience for you? And they're like, it was it was fine. Like mm-hmm. I guess the, I guess the cake wasn't that good. You can go yeah. really and like and then how did you feel afterwards? And then they are able to be a little bit more reflective of like, well, what was that? And then how did it make me feel? And then you go. Well, is that a, is, do you feel like that was helping you towards the, all these things that you've, you've told me you want? Mm-hmm. You know, you've said you want to get your abs for your beach vacation coming up. You've mm-hmm. said you want to improve your, your Murph time. You've said you wanted to do a 5K. Is that help? Did that help? They're like, oh, no, I guess that wasn't really helpful. I'm like, well, okay, well, what would you do differently next time? Mm-hmm. Or what are some solutions? And I think that people, once you start telling people something, they tune you out a little bit. But when you let them come to their own realization and conclusion about how their behaviors impacted them and then what are some solutions that they could have come up with on their own, mm-hmm. it's a lot more, it, it, helps, it helps them understand it more and take it more to heart because it's not me, it's them. It's them giving themselves advice. Yeah, so you're kind of Socratic methoding them into the right answer. Yeah, but then yeah, like let them come up with their own solutions because then they they could have given me they give me solutions that I wouldn't have even thought of. They're like, well, I could have got my uncle to do this thing. I'm like, well, I didn't know your uncle was going out to the gas station, you know? Right, right. And so they yeah, when they come up with their own good ideas, then it like it takes the burden of me to tell someone what to do, and it also helps them like make that more of an intrinsic thing that they have going on. Yeah, and it's also proof that you always have the right answer. You know, you, it, you're, it's built in, it's mm-hmm. pre-programmed in your DNA. You know what to do. It's just a matter of are you going to exercise your control over yourself to make it happen in the moment. We always know what to do. We always know what to do. And that's such a great realization, right? Uh-huh. Reminds us how powerful we really are. True. So tell me a little bit about the new book, Passport Fitness, man. What is this all about? What was the inspiration? What am I going to learn? Oh, man. So it's called Passport Fitness, the no-nonsense guide to staying in shape no matter what city you wake up in. And it's a bit of a misnomer because this book, Jason, is literally filled with nonsense. <laughs> so so what sort of nonsense? So a lot of it is, I've wanted to write a book. I didn't know exactly what I wanted to write it about. I love fitness. Definitely health and fitness is a huge passion of mine. I love not only the, the like my own personal journey with health and fitness, learning about how the body moves, which is just so amazing, but also helping other people tap into the person they want to be and helping people live the life they want to live. Because I feel like if you don't have, if you don't have the body you want, the energy you want, it's hard to be out there doing the things you want to do at all times. So I wanted to put together a book that kind of pulled from my experiences traveling and then really was a great resource for people who are super busy, who don't have time to necessarily hit the gym or you know, go to a class or whatever else because their schedule just doesn't allow it, you know, wherever they're at in their life. So I wanted to put together some really, really actionable tips that people could use to get, to get a lot out of just quick workouts and then as well as motivate people to do the little things on a daily basis and create that consistency mm-hmm. to create that health mindset that's going to last them for the rest of their life. So 
you'll you'll learn a lot of stuff like my morning routine. I'll talk I talk about a little bit more like how to do a great hotel room workout, mm-hmm. uh, different strategies for dealing with jet lag, things that you can deal with like things you have to deal with on a client dinner, how to eat out effectively, and then I also have some anecdotes and some stories from traveling as well as things like this is the section entitled the magic pill everyone wants a magic pill to help them lose weight fast get ripped abs and grow a giant dong but regardless of whether the results come fast or slow time always seems to pass so i liked it's my own book so i could, they let me put whatever i want in it so i i just i have a kind of a I'll say tongue-in-cheek way of writing. Definitely tongue-in-cheek, for sure, yeah. Um, Just from reading some of the subheads, you can pick that up. (laughs) And uh, one of the things that we were talking about off-mic, and I know that your book addresses this, and I think it's super crucial and important that we get this out there, is you talk about how how what you're selling is not sexy. Not sexy. Not sexy. And I think so many people, like you said, they're looking for the magic pill, you know, the, you know, the penis enlargement pills, you know, whatever the case may be. And they're not thinking long term. They're not thinking about the consistency that you talked about at the top of the show. They're not thinking about how they need to become a different person, really, at the end of the day. And so when you when it comes to picking up this book, what are people are people going to be shocked at some of the things that they read? Are they going to be excited about it? And, you know, what is it that we're really trying to overcome in the marketplace by putting out a book like this? Well, um, I, I think I don't think anyone's going to be shocked by any any of this stuff in there. I honestly think that most of it is there's a lot of like helpful tips and tricks, which you might be like, oh, that's that's useful and interesting. I can put that into practice right away. But I think you're going to read it and be like, oh, yeah, that makes a ton of sense. That's super obvious. But I try to put together in an in a interesting and engaging way without taking it so, so seriously because everyone is, takes fitness and like health incredibly seriously and man this should be fun right yeah for sure fitness is like it's a luxury we're not out there trucking carts of mud and dirt around you know we have nice jobs so fit the fitness is like a luxury item we should be having a great time when we're doing this you know what i mean so that's kind of what i want to leave people with is help them get a little bit like mm-hmm. get them that kind of that spark to start thinking about things in a little bit of a different way mm-hmm. and help them <clears throat> make the make the change that they need to do to like like you said become a different person mm-hmm. so yeah, no, no secrets. No, no secrets. Uh, yeah, no, no seven, no seven step program. Unfortunately, which would unfortunately make it a but, much better seller if I could give them the second seven steps to a huge penis. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And but the, I think that that's uh, I think that that's something that really needs to be discussed and brought to the forefront, though, by more and more fitness professionals. Right, you've been in the industry for a decade now. You've you got all the alphabet suit behind your name, right? And you're dealing with people on a regular basis. And how many of those people have been exposed to the magic pill in the box formula, right? How many people do you have to sort of unlearn and relearn that hey, you know, the answer isn't isn't quick. It's not a quick fix. It's about you know you becoming a different person over a period of time and really seeking some consistency in your life. Mm-hmm. Totally. I think that. I mean, I mean, I'm sure you've you've gotten this as as well, where people are like wow, you're in really great shape, what do you do? Mm-hmm. And it, that's the wrong question. I think people ask that question, they think, what are you doing right now that's making you in such good shape? The right question is, what have you been doing the last five years? Right. What have you, like, what have you been up to that's, that's allowed you to like, maintain and be in, in, like, in the physical shape that you're in? And I think that people don't even think in that, in that way enough, enough to ask that correct question. Yeah, 100%. I think uh, I, th- I saw a stat one time, and I, I don't remember the source, 
However, it was talking about the consistency piece, right? And how even if you start a business, you start a fitness program, you know, you start a regime of some sort, at the end of the first few months, half the people are already out. They've already checked out. At the end of the first year, you're left with about a third of the individuals who started and those that remain are barely doing it. And at the end of the day, it points to, I think, a huge hole in the culture, more so than a huge hole in maybe the fitness world or the business world or whatever you know, realm of achievement you, you, know, you want to bring to the forefront. But that idea, like you mentioned, of how easy our jobs are, how easy our lives are relative to what they are, and then coming back to this idea of injecting some consistency around doing hard things seems to be totally lacking, or maybe it's just me, maybe what I'm seeing. No, you're absolutely right. And then one thing, one thing that's kind of interesting that I that I learned from being abroad and traveling a lot is that the U.S. is the number one country in the world at marketing and advertising. We are the best, like hands down. There's no competition for how good we are. But with our with that become like comes like was like well here's here's this program and then someone has to like one up it like this program is super easy. Well, this program is super affordable and super easy and it only takes one minute. And you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So we just, like, everything we, we get delivered, like, right now is, like, that microwave mentality. You know, we get apps downloaded, like, right away on our phone. Remember, I remember when I was, like, downloading music illegally, was using Napster. That, that took me 60 minutes per song. Now I have access to millions of songs on my, on my handheld portable computer, which is better than the computer that landed the Apollo 13. This shit is awesome, dude. We're living in the future. It's so rad. But like you said, there's no, there's nothing hard left to do, you know? So people think that going, like going and, and pursuing their fitness should be as easy as popping in the hot pocket, right? Why, like, why didn't I get, why isn't it done in two minutes, you know? <laughs> Yet, but that's why they're embracing the suck, like buckling down, like we don't have a whole lot of hard stuff to do in our life. So you got to inject some of that if you want to be the caliber person that, that is able to do, what do you say? To... Do be, do, have. Be, do, have. Yeah. In that order. In that order. That's it, for sure. Yeah, it's, it's amazing to me. And I think one of the beautiful things um, that I take away from the fitness world or the business world, you know, just this idea of having to do something difficult in order to experience a positive result or even a result. But it's a result that you own and you know that you created from your core. Like it didn't just happen for you. You know, no one gave it to you, but you created it. And mm-hmm. I think that so many people run around unhappy because they don't experience that. You know, I mean, we've had, what, celebrity suicides, two just in the last couple of weeks, two yeah. high-profile, Kate Spade, you had Anthony, Anthony Bourdain. Bourdain. We've had a few more in, the, in, in recent history. I had a friend recently call me threatening that. And it all comes down to how they're, to me, how they're viewing themselves in the world and what their place is in it. You know, what's your purpose? What are you achieving? What's lighting you up? And if the answer is nothing, then hey, man, maybe turning out the lights is the right thing to do. You know, I don't know. But at the end of the day, it seems like this sort of quick, easy fix is the cause for a lot of that. Yeah, I think you're 100% right about that. I think like, I mean, no one is no one is free from that mentality. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a little bit butthurt because I've had this business for a full year, Jason, and I'm not incredibly wealthy, <laughs> you know? But like, a whole year? Yeah. Come on. But like, it's so it's so it's so refreshing. And kind of going back to what you said about looking at the past as a how like at, to inform our present. Mm-hmm. So like that can also be incredibly healthy if you have a like a past 
like background of hard work and achievement. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So once you get in that train, like for example, I can I look back at my like my personal fitness, and mm-hmm. I was always wanted to have abs and sweet biceps and stuff like that, and I wanted to have them yesterday. You know, but then now, ten years later, I'm realizing that all that work I did back then, even though I wasn't getting the results I wanted within the two weeks, it only laid the groundwork for who I am right now. So looking back now, I'm like, yeah, my business isn't wildly successful. I'm not driving a Ferrari, but I haven't been at it 10 years yet. I haven't put in my time yet. I'm not owed this, you know? And it, But the awesome thing about this and the, and the thing that I love so much is that we don't lose unless we quit. You know, we can, we can always win at anything we want to do. You can win at your fitness. You can win at a business. You can win at starting a blog post. You can win at learning a new skill if you never, ever, ever quit, you know? So it's, it's deciding what you want and then doggedly going after it, even if it's that five minutes a day, even if it's just a tiny thing per day, going after that every single day with a ter- determination and a short memory. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, for sure. And, you know, the whole past, present thing or past, future thing, depending on your viewpoint, I mean, that I think is what you're doing when you're setting up that productive morning routine because you're drawing on that all day. It's like, look, I started the day with a couple of wins mm-hmm. and I'm carrying that forward, right? Absolutely. And, and how much bigger can I make them as I go? I 100% agree with that. So having said that, and, you know, now talked a little bit about, you know, your history, you talked a little bit about what's on the agenda for the trip, you talked a little bit about the book, right? What is on, you know, the the front burner, I should say, for your business? What's, what's the immediate plan? What is it that you want to create? So what I really want to create is, and after, after a lot of reflection and introspection on this like at first I went back and forth be like, oh, I want to build a business. I want to create a product, all these things. But what I really want to do, Jason, is create a, a tribe. I want to, I want to find a thousand, I want to find 1100 people that are people who are too busy for, for like getting into the gym, but still have that desire, have that, like have marked themselves as being like, as wanting to improve their lives through fitness. And I want to help those people get to where they want to be. You know, people without time, people with busy jobs, people with too many kids, lots of kids. I don't <laughs> You know what I mean? One might be too many. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess You're that depends on your, yeah. your outlook. But I want, to, I want to find those people who, who have that desire to change, and I want to help those people get over the, get over the hump and make that, make that lifestyle a reality. Any last words of wisdom to that future tribe that you're building? In my book, there's a, there's a, the section, section number two, I had a, I had a name for it. It was like, it was like, don't let your excuses get in your way or something like that. And my wife, my wife, hearted like that. Lindsay, Lindsay came in and said, you need to change this. And she wrote a suggestion that I thought was really, really awesome. And she put in that, in that section was your excuses are trash. And so, yeah, if I could leave you with one thing, excuses are garbage. Winners don't make excuses. If you want something, you can't make an excuse for why you don't have it. Everything is literally your fault in your life. So take that, like, take that very, very seriously. If you want something, you don't have it, that's your fucking fault. 
dripped a whole lot of boom sauce all over that one. So Ooh, with that one, with that one, we're going to go <laughs> ahead and close it out, guys. I want to say a huge thanks to Nate coming up, jumping on the show with me, talking a little bit about his projects. I look forward to interviewing him in the future, doing another show with him. We'll talk a little bit more about some of the other things that are going on. And until then, guys, be sure and check out CrossFit North Phoenix if you're in the Deer Valley area and check out hardwater.com for all your apparel needs. We will see you in the next episode.